We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Alphas, cue the bugles. Get your get ready to stand at attention out in public and have people look at you and wondering why you're standing for attention. They will ask you and you will tell them that this is one of the most important weeks in the veteran community. We have Memorial Day coming up. And before that, we have Poppy Day coming up. If you don't know what that is, shame on you. But you will not have to worry about that after today because that's going to be one of our stories. Ashley, do you have big plans for Memorial Day? Oh, I can't think about what my plans are within the next. You forgot few about Memorial Day. See what I uh, <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> no plans I, I, yet. Okay, I will. If you want to fly to LA, I will be busy. I'm speaking. I'm speaking at one event. My post is hosting an event. There's Battleship Iowa Fleet Week will be happening here in Los Angeles. Whoop, whoop. I just don't have I don't have enough time to do everything, so maybe I'll do nothing. There you go. Because I don't want to feel like I left anybody out. You know, That's fair. Specifically. All right. Oh, this first story before you a little backstory. This is a sad moment, and um, I wish uh, OG Ashley was here, and I wish Mark CV was here because this is this is the end of an era for us. This story. This, yeah, I wasn't a part of all of your talks about this place beforehand. Um, and I appreciate that introduction before the sentences that I'm about to read, which are, <laughs> let's, let's get into this, all right? Texas's long-troubled Fort Hood is renamed after first Hispanic four-star general. Fort Hood in Colleen, Texas, named after a Confederate general and long plagued by a series of suicides, homicides, and fatal accidents, was renamed on Tuesday after the Army's first Hispanic four-star general. The base was redesignated Fort Cavazos in honor of General Richard Edward Cavazos, a veteran of the Korean and Vietnam Wars who was born in Texas to Mexican-American parents. In 1982, he became the first Hispanic to wear four stars on his uniform. The Central Texas Post is one of nine U.S. Army installations being renamed after the recommendations of a congressional commission set up to remove Confederate names from military bases. Fort Hood is named after John Bell Hood, a Confederate general. The change at one of the country's largest military installations follows efforts by the military to confront racial injustice and inequality in its ranks, particularly in the aftermath of the 2020 killing of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis. General Cavazos' combat-proven leadership, his moral character, and his loyalty to his soldiers and their families make him the fearless yet respected and influential leader that he was during the time he served and beyond, said Lieutenant General Sean Bernabe, commanding general of the 3rd Armored Corps, headquartered at the Texas Post. Cavazos, who retired, retired from the Army in 1984 after 33 years of service, died in 2017. So, Jeff, thoughts? Goodbye, Fort Hood. We, uh, you were the well that never... He never failed us to provide a story that we could have here on, on Tango Alpha Lima. We've had married couples both lose their jobs there. We've had murders and we've had 
suicides and we've had really catastrophic accidents that happen there and while we while we will miss you uh we kind of won't miss you uh this there's the, the, the that place i don't know i just i have so many things to I have so many things i could say about that but also i want to i want to recognize so since a lot of this uh was triggered after uh, the george floyd incident uh this podcast had a two part two episodes on uh that was also uh, triggered by that and had um guests from uh we had guests from california all the way to new york and all worked in law enforcement and and spoke to this and um uh, it looks like looks like it's like uh super producer holly is going to uh find that link for us and it was a really important show i think for i think it established us as a voice for the American Legion where uh, we could talk about some things that before, you know, they, you know, cause the Legion doesn't take a stand on anything until it goes from resolution and works all the way up. And we can kind of react a little bit quicker and, um, and kind of address some things, but uh, stay within the mission of the Legion. So hopefully we've been doing that for these past years and hopefully we'll continue to do it into the future. The future. The future. I wonder if we can get an echo on that because that's amazing. All right. Today we'll be joined by Terry Tanelian. Special there assist- you go. Yep. Special assistant to the president for veterans affairs. Terry's a nationally recognized expert in veteran and mental health policy. Prior to joining the team at the White House, she served as senior behavioral specialist at the RAND Corporation, where she led several landmark studies examining the needs of military service members, veterans, their families, and their caregivers. We'll be back with Terry right after the break. The American Legion is raising awareness about PTSD and veteran suicide by offering hope, camaraderie, and support. Be the one to help end veteran suicide. The goal of the American Legion's Be The One campaign is to destigmatize asking for mental health support. Be the one to ask a veteran in your life how they're doing. Be the one who saves one veteran. Go to betheone.org and help the American Legion end veteran suicide. Will you be the one? All right, Alphas, we are back. We have a very special guest. We had to get like background checks to even talk to Terry Tanelian on, on, on the internet here because she's she's very protected hello terry how are you do you feel safe i'm happy to be here jeff thanks so much <laughs> all right uh you were telling me before the show that this job that you have is a is it's an established position it sounds it sounds very cool special assistant to the president for veterans affairs uh, congratulations on that and um we're going to jump in with with Ashley for the first question. Uh, Ashley, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome. Terry, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. I'm a, okay, so I'm super interested. Can you just let me know, like, what's your background? How did you end up working directly for the president? Sure. So thanks so much for that question, Ashley. Um, it's an interesting route uh, that I took to get to this position and this opportunity. So I grew up in a really small town and decided that I wanted to pursue a career um, to try to help individuals who were experiencing mental health 
problems. And so I went to graduate school, um, was trained in psychology, began doing a lot of research and policy analyses on trying to kind of help improve how we can uh, provide access to mental health and substance use services for individuals that are experiencing challenges. Um, I joined a think tank uh, where I was asked to help take on some studies that were specifically focused on military service members and their families, particularly as we were trying to understand the impacts of deployment um, and look at the potential causes of Gulf War illness. I became fascinated and I really dove into the work to try to understand the challenges, the traumas, the deployment related uh, stressors and opportunities uh, that were facing our military service members and their families and started doing a lot of work on um, the psychological impacts of uh, deployment, of war, of combat exposures, et cetera. And began, you know, really investing a lot of time in trying to break down some of the barriers and improve policies for service members and veterans, as well as their families and other loved ones. And so, um, as that work continued, uh, and as um, the president uh, announced his campaign, uh, began getting engaged in thinking through what future opportunities could look like to really uh, change how we delivered services for the population and uh, had a role on the transition team um, and supporting the president during that time period, and then was asked to come on um, and work in the Domestic Policy Council, where I sit and report to Ambassador Susan Rice and help drive the president's priorities uh, to address the needs of veterans. Well, that sounds great. It sounds like you're really passionate about it and, and knowledgeable on on all those topics. And it's awesome to be able to take something that you have like an internal drive for and use it to help others. I love that. And I love connecting with people that have that ability. I, you know, it's not it's just not everybody has that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have that. Jeff's not uh, selfish. <laughs> He's kicking puppies over there. <laughs> I, could, I could be the special assistant for this veteran. Um, there you go. And, and, and Terry, you're, you're doing the good work over there. Speaking of your good work, um, so you've, you've talked to us about the how you got there. Now that you are there, what is it, what are some examples of the things that, of your own work that you're doing with, you know, people still serving and veterans, caregivers and families and anybody else that I forgot that you might, that you might cover? Sure. Well, I think you all recognize that President Biden has been very vocal about his belief that we have a sacred obligation as a nation to care, to really equip and train those we send into harm's way and then care for them and their families when they return home. And so his uh, interest in ensuring that we are doing all we can at a whole of government level, that means not just the Department of Veterans Affairs, which is clearly central to this mission, but also bringing in other federal partners uh, to try to address ways we can improve the delivery of services and programs to support veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors is really at the heart of what we're trying to drive at the Domestic Policy Council. So some of the issues that we are tackling and really working to address uh, at the top of the list is veteran suicide. And uh, this has been very important. It was actually mentioned in the State of the Union um, address this year. Uh, that we need to do more to reduce the number of veterans who are dying by suicide um, each year. 
And so we released a strategy in 2021 um, that was specifically focused on reducing military and veteran suicide and trying to kind of stand on the shoulders of prior work, but to focus how we were uh, aiming some of our federal resources uh, to back some evidence-based approaches to really help drive down uh, what we're seeing in terms of the risk for suicide in this population. Um, we're also tackling veteran homelessness. And so we've been uh, really making that a priority, not just for VA, but for um, HUD, as well as the US Interagency and the Council of um, on Homelessness and driving some actions there. Um, and so those are really two critical priorities where we're bringing the whole of government together. Um, but we're also focused on um, with the challenges that we know many service members and veterans face from toxic exposures, doing more to ensure that we can deliver benefits and services to address the adverse health consequences of those toxic exposures. So the PACT Act obviously is a signature piece of legislation that the president's been able to enact and we're working to ensure that it's swiftly and effectively implemented. Um, it, while we're also really uh, working in partnership with the Department of Labor, the Department of Defense, as well as the Department of Veterans Affairs to ensure smooth transition for service members to civilian status, um, address health equity, modernize the VA. It's a long list um, because we care so deeply about making sure that we get this right um, and use the opportunity we have to drive some of these priorities forward. And I think that the list does have to be long and uh, because it's really something that's difficult to put a finger on what the actual solution is. Um, uh, I've, I've heard recently that since our spring meetings that the VA and the and the American Legion are going to pair up uh, to promote buddy checks, but especially during buddy check week. I don't know if you had your I don't know if you had any hand in that, but uh, I, I do like that. Um, we, we, we don't say partnership. What can I call it? I do like that collaborative uh, effort. There you go. Collaboration. I could be a politician. Yeah, Look at the, the collaborate effort uh, for a desired outcome. Uh, so, so that's that's amazing. And um, thank you for doing all of that. We, you know, I got to pitch. I got to pitch the Legion a little bit in the middle of this. We also do the, you know, the Be the One program. Uh, you're probably familiar with that. And and it's, I'm just glad to see that even though. We have a history of disputing the number. Is it 22? Is it 23? Is it 17? Like, it doesn't matter. It's greater than zero, right? So uh, a greater, a number greater than zero veterans we're losing every day to suicide. So to me, that makes um, your work even more important. And it makes you kind of a superhero with this uh, security clearance. So there you go. <laughs> I'll have to keep that one in mind as a, a, a descriptor. I've never heard that one before, but thank you. Yeah. It's an honor and a privilege to do this work. It's just so important. Um, and, you know, having the opportunity to work with my partners at the Department of Veterans Affairs, DOD, across the agencies, really the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, I think everyone recognizes that uh, this is a huge priority. It's a public health challenge, um, but we have to get after it aggressively. Awesome. Ashley, I, di I didn't read ahead. You were supposed to kind of 
weaving to be the one. Sorry. I'm so <laughs> Jeff, you and I are always one step in sync with one another. We are you're basically my right and left arm. And I will have it no other way. Uh I I think that all these initiatives are wonderful and definitely you know, the Be The One program focusing on uh, reducing, eliminating uh, veteran suicide, suicide in general. I have a lot of suicide in my family. I have I even have military members in my family that have committed suicide. Um, but uh, there's so much there's so much to it. And there's so many like I really love all the initiatives that you're you're pulling out. And, and you mentioned um, coming back from a deployment and how you try to support the families then, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners know. But if you don't, reintegration is one of the most difficult times. It can be harder and is often it often is harder than when uh, the military member is gone. So when they come back, it's your you have spent, you know, six months to 18 months uh, alone taking care of everything. And then they they come in and you're trying to readjust to what that is. And they think nothing has changed. And, you know, oh, the fork is in a different drawer. And oh, my goodness, <laughs> you know. So I love that you're supporting uh, that, um, but also you you are making a note and a, a priority, of something that I've, I haven't seen, I'll, maybe it's just not something that I've been aware of, but I'm seeing it more and more lately, which is prioritizing caregivers. So the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, for example, you know, that what a wonderful foundation. And I don't know if any of you have ever heard anybody from that organization speak, but it is amazing. The things that the caregivers are doing and the ways that they are supporting uh, their families. So I really appreciate that they are included in all of that. Do you have anything specific that in that genre of caregiving that has touched you or, or that you want to work on or focus? Yeah, I, I think it's really important that we understand, um, and this is a little bit of a wonky phrase, but, um, you know, as an individual experiences a challenge, like there's this, it's like a pebble in a pond, it has ripples, right? And so, and those ripples can go both ways. And so a person is, you know, an individual within a unit um, that could be a family, it's a community within, within society. And so we kind of need to recognize um, and reinforce um, each of those various different circles and outer circles, if you will. And so for me, um, having grown up in a household where caregiving was really actually very important to how we cared for our family members, um, particularly at the end of their life and how we supported them, recognizing that we needed to do the same for service members and veterans, particularly of our wounded ill and in injured populations. I had an opportunity earlier in my career to do some of the studies that began to understand the impact that caregiving can have on veteran and military caregivers. And so knowing that they're an important group has been um, obviously at the center of what Dr. Biden has done with the Joining Forces Initiative and some of our policymaking. Uh, just recently, the president signed an executive order on our care economy and took specific um, actions and directed specific actions on how we could better support family caregivers, including caregivers for our veterans. And so we'll be seeing over the course of the next year, the Department of Veterans Affairs take very specific steps that will help veterans uh, be supported in their homes, but also explicitly support the caregivers who are participating in that family caregiver program. Um, and one of those is to ensure that they have access to mental health services because we know that caregiving can be stressful and we want uh, caregivers to take care of themselves 
um, and uh, ensure that they can live full and healthy lives that are supported so that they can also support their loved ones. Yeah, totally. It's so important. And when, the people that I've met, um, and you just go, oh my goodness, the their stories are really touching. So I think it's wonderful that we are recognizing and taking care of the caregivers who are doing so much. Right, it's that whole, the same thing, the airplane thing. You got to put the mask on yourself and then yeah. do the other thing. So uh, thank you for helping them put the mask on themselves. Yes, there you go. I'm figuring this out. It's early morning. I'm a Marine. It's a lot of things working against me right now. Uh, <laughs> so we've, would, it's, it's hard to ask these questions because I don't know what you can and can't say, but is is there anything that's been declassified that's coming up that we should know about um, or anything that you're working on that you, you anticipate will get through legislation? So, you know, to the extent that we have administrative capabilities and authorities, our focus has also been to make sure that we leverage those to do as much as we can with the existing resources that we have. And so, um, the president's budget outlined, um, again, bold investments and in how we can address the needs of veterans through robust um, VA, both in healthcare as well as benefits delivery. But one of the other priorities that the president has where there's a great deal of intersection here, particularly around our interest in reducing suicide, um, is around mental health. So in addition to supporting veterans as part of his unity agenda, tackling the nation's mental health crisis, is also a key part of the unity agenda. And so we've launched um, a comprehensive strategy to address and transform how we integrate and think about mental health um, in the United States. Mental health is health period. And we're working to ensure that anyone with a mental health challenge uh, can get the support they need. We've got a few announcements that will be coming out this week that are really serving to bolster how we can increase the number of professionals who are trained to recognize the risks of mental health problems and uh, get the support to individuals where and when they need it. Um, we're doing a lot to focus around uh, youth mental health in particular and provide more resources in schools. Um, but we know we're also continuing to work with DOD and VA to break down some of the barriers that exist to help seeking for service members and veterans um, and to help them hire more uh, professionals that can be part of the solution. Um, and so you'll continue to see efforts in those areas. Um, and then we're also working towards a new national strategy for suicide prevention. Um, the VA and the Department of Defense both have their own strategies, which are based upon the national strategy that was released in 2012. We've committed to um, creating an updated and new national strategy for suicide prevention that incorporates everything we've learned over the past decade plus and kind of helps ensure that we're delivering equitable services and um, focuses on the risk factors that we know can lead to someone being at risk, which aren't just necessarily through the pathway of mental illness. Um, and so how are we addressing economic risk factors? What are we doing to provide more legal support services? What are we doing to support people during vulnerable transitions? And so Ashley, you mentioned clearly that uh, transition from military to civilian life is a, and reintegration from deployment are, are, are times um, where vulnerability is introduced. 
Um, but many people face other transitions in their life too. We want them to be supported through those so that we can address any challenges and get folks help. So suicide, as we get closer to September and National Suicide Prevention Month will continue to be a priority um, and we'll see more uh, announcements. We've got more funding going into the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. We're trying to build more mobile crisis response teams that have competence um, to be able to respond to individuals who may be in mental health or substance use crisis and get them into care. We're doing more to support drug and treatment court programs for veterans, but also um, for non-veterans so that we can uh, keep people in the community rather than seeing our jails and prison um, become uh, the number one provider for individuals with behavioral health problems, for example. And so we're continuing to kind of drive um, transformation in how we address mental health um, and not just for veterans and service members. So they'll clearly um, both DOD and VA have made this a top priority within their ranks as well. Well, you, uh, I, a little, a little bit back in that you, you kind of sparked something because um, the, the different things that can trigger someone to um, get into a desperate situation. And I call that whole section of yours, the scenarios of overwhelm, because uh, scenarios that overwhelm people make things seem hopeless, right? So it's the it's the economic factors that um, we don't talk about. Can they get can they get a decent job? Are is the is are the costs of living where they are? Because Los Angeles, where I'm at, is the largest population of veterans. It's absolutely unlivable for so many of them that um, you know living on the street is normal. I'm not gonna say it's normal, but it's it's definitely trending towards normal people living on the street in RVs in the back of their cars, whatever. Um, and, and taking care of all of these scenarios of overwhelm, uh, is one of the many, 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 many things that, uh, deserve attention in this fight to, uh, eliminate suicide. And it is, it's, and it's true. Also, it's not just veteran suicide. It's, uh, it's suicide in general because, uh, uh, a fit community, uh, you know, benefits everyone. If you see and experience fitness, like physical fitness, if you live in an area, uh, it's like that. You tend to be more fit. If uh, if your mental fitness is there, which leads me, is there a mental workout, a mental fitness workout that I can do? Like you got to do. Uh, there two, used to be brain training. When it, remember when that was a big thing? Yeah. You got to do five crossword puzzles before breakfast. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to sell an infomercial on this patent pending. Let's edit this out. So thank you for, uh, thank you for addressing something that I hadn't even thought the, I haven't even thought through, but I've already given it a title scenarios of overwhelm. So thank you for that. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to look like, you know, something's happening up here. Something. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Jeff. You know, it's interesting because there are actually studies that show that raising the minimum wage uh, can uh, be associated with reductions in suicide um, deaths. And so we need to think about our economic policies and how we're supporting people um, to be able to thrive in their communities, to ensure that they have stable housing um, and that they can afford rent. And so it's just as much about prevention of um, homelessness as it is about uh, addressing the needs of the unsheltered. 
Um, and so, you know, as we think about all of our policies, we think about them through the lens of how is this going to improve the lives? Um, and, you know, I see that as prevention, right? Um, because it's all really critical. Um, and, you know, while we're making those investments, uh, we're also, you know, mindful at the Surgeon General of the United States just released a new advisory on the epidemic of isolation and loneliness. And so mm -hmm. what are we doing to build social connections? And so really, you know, I think with your campaign, um, and, and this is about how do we connect with people? How do we ensure that we're reaching out, um, building those connections, supporting one another, helping those when they have challenges, getting them connected to services where it can help alleviate some of that overwhelm and um, ensure that they get the care that they need um, to support themselves, but to support the and, and help the ones around them that they love. And so, you know, I, I, I look at it as like a puzzle of all these pieces that need to come together to kind of reinforce how we're addressing this challenge because it's not one Band-Aid. Um, it is really many, many things that are about um, empowering and creating um, lives of opportunity for individuals. Right, because if it's, if it's too expensive to live, you don't want to give people, you don't want people to think that on one side, it's too expensive to live. So what's the solution to that? Uh, we need alternate solutions other than, um, other than suicide. Yep. That's mm -hmm. my thought. That's your, <laughs> you're sticking to it. Yep. I, I think it's wonderful. I think all of these initiatives are, are and I'm really hopeful for all of them. And I feel like a lot of people are, are talking about it now. And the more people that talk about it, that hopefully the more ideas will come up and we'll find a solution and then we can we can fix it. That would be great. Um, I know we're trying with the Be The One program and uh, there's a lot of initiatives within the military itself. One of the things that comes up in some of the studies I read is is that uh, if you have one suicide that it can be contagious and so <clears throat> it can happen again so those down days are huge where you just go all right let's put a little break in there and let's talk about it and see see what's happening so um I believe you have a connection with the American Legion isn't is that accurate so my dad served in the U.S. Navy, and uh, while his military service was before I was born, um, he actually didn't talk about it that much. He was pretty oh. quiet about his military service. Um, but I grew up kind of going to the local American Legion Hall for many, many family events like weddings, baby showers, uh, bridal showers. It was just kind of part of, you know, what we did and where we hosted family events. So in upstate New York, the Hudson Falls Post was definitely well-trafficked. Um, by my family growing up, even though my dad didn't necessarily wear his veteran status on his sleeve. He also, you know, after his um, military service went on to be a police officer. And so, you know, his was a career in uh, multiple uniforms, if you will, in public service. Um, but yes, uh, I do remember many times running around as a, a young child in the American Legion Hall. Oh, that's wonderful. And you followed in his footsteps, right, of a lifetime of public service. So that's that's wonderful how families can teach that to one another. What do you think, what Jeff? Is, is Hudson Falls near the birthplace of Jeff Daly, which is Rochester? It's not too far. It's a, it's <laughs> east. Yeah. East of Albany or north. Okay. Northeast. There's a plaque. I'm <laughs> just, yes. <laughs> home of Jeff Daly or birthplace. It was, I don't think it was ever really my home, but uh, 
thank you so much for being here and uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And um, I think that we've distracted you from that work long enough. So I'm going to need you to get back to it uh, <laughs> and uh, do some more signing and classifying and what, whatever the whatever the government needs to solve these problems. Uh, well, I, I yeah. trust that you're on it. Yes, thank you, Jeff. I, it is a long list. We are uh, really dedicated to trying to do more. Thank you, uh, both of you, for this conversation, this opportunity. Really grateful for the work the American Legion is doing to bring attention um, and you know through this program and to help others and get more uh, folks to reach out and get connected to services. I think is just going to be the game changer we need. So thank you so much for the opportunity to join you today. All right, there you go. You got. Uh, we want to thank Terry for being here with us today. We're going to chit chat about her a little bit. Uh, she won't be here to hear it. She's going to have to tune in. So we're going to have one additional listener uh, for that for that part. Uh, but for the rest of you, please take a little break. As she said, take care of yourself in this uh, brief break and come back for the rest of the show after the aforementioned break. A veteran is a veteran. A veteran is a veteran. A veteran is a veteran. The American Legion embraces all current and former members of the military and endeavors to help them transition into their communities. We are Veterans Strengthening America. We are the American Legion. All right, Alphas, we hope you had refreshments and are in a more pleasant place than you were before you had that refreshment. I hope you had a great break. We are back. Ashley, Terry was here. Terry was awesome. Yep. What did you think? She's great. You know, we we talked about how um, she got into service. Her dad had a lifetime of service. She's continuing on with that. And she just really seems to <clears throat> care about people and getting these policies in place to try to help get rid of suicide. Uh, we're hopeful. We're trying. I mean, I can't think of a more noble pursuit at this point. And the yeah. fact that she's looking deep and wide and trying to cover everything that may uh, cause cause this uh, unfortunate, uh, these unfortunate events to occur. So thank you, Terry, and, and for all the work that you're doing. All right, here we go. For our favorite part of our favorite part of this part of the show. Wait a minute. We are going into pew, 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 pew. Rapid fire. All right, rapid fire number one. You ready? Ready. You're going to cry? Yeah. Okay. A very good girl deploys on Courier Forward. Sage, the service dog. This is from Navy Times. The first in class carrier, Gerald R. Ford from Michigan, went to Michigan, played football in Michigan, mm -hmm. deployed this week with a first-of-kind asset for its sailors, a service dog. Sage is a three-year-old female yellow Labrador retriever, and she's the first dog to deploy with a ship's crew through a pilot program meant to address mental health and resiliency. The Virginia-based nonprofit Mutts with a Mission trained Sage and loaned her to the crew for the deployment. The dog will comfort sailors and is trained to help them cope with operational stress. It's part of what is dubbed in typical military speak, the expanded operational stress control canine program. That sounds more military than anything I've ever read in my entire life. 
make her bark. Can you speak whenever I say E O S C C P? My goodness. Um, what a good girl. I'm so happy to hear that this is happening. I've seen the videos, I've seen the pictures. I think she's going to have a great time here. Oh, she's a lab, though. She's going to want to swim. So oh. let's keep her on the boat. She doesn't need to swim in the ocean. <laughs> no, and not as far out as they're going to be. Like, that's, you, yeah, that's stay. Be a good girl there. Sage. Be a good girl. All right. All right. We're going to move on now to rapid fire number pew pew two. <laughs> Marines to be Marines to deactivate historically female recruit training battalion. It's from MarineCorpsTimes.com. Uh, as the Marine Corps continues to gender integrate its boot camps on both coasts, it is uh, shutting down the recruit training battalion that for decades was the only unit that uh, turned female recruits into Marines. The closing of the now co-ed fourth recruit training battalion was characterized by the Corps as an administrative decision that will help standardize training across its recruit uh, depots of San Diego and Paris Island, South Carolina. All right, that's, I was just going to say Congress, you know, they've, uh, they directed the Corps to integrate women into recruit training at San Diego, which was open only to men until 2021. So progress. 2021. That seems too recent. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Alas. Well, we, well, you know, there, there's two boot camps for the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and the Marines have a lot more men than women, so they've concentrated. So you, here's an interesting piece. Do you know yeah. that when they look at how they can recruit, um, what they do is they look at high schools and then they look at eligible males. That's it. They don't look at females at all. I hadn't heard that. Didn't know anything this, about that. I spent uh, time with a recruiting station, and they, yeah. I, I was like, you only, you only look, and they're like, yep, that's how we look at it. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, well, I feel like you're missing out on a lot of people that might want to join them. <laughs> well, I mean, they'll take is where they target is where they target their energy and their focus. Right. 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 Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Like if you oh, there's well, I know plenty of women that have been in the Marines. So <clears throat> maybe let's add them in. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, oh, it's a puppy story. Uh-huh. All right. As I told you before, May 26th is coming up after this show. May 26th is Poppy Day. And if you do that, you should wear it all weekend, all the way through Memorial Day. I mean, you should change clothes, but put the poppy back on your new clean clothes up your freshly showered body. All right, yes. here we go. The poppy story. This is from our favorite, our favorite website, Legion.org. After World War One, the poppy flourished in Europe. Science scientists attributed the growth to soils in France and Belgium becoming enriched with the lime from the rubble left by the war. From the dirt and mud grew a beautiful red poppy. The red poppy came to symbolize the bloodshed during battle following the publication of the wartime poem in Flanders Fields. The poem was written by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, MD, while serving on the front lines. On September 27th, 1920, the poppy became the official flower of the American Legion family to memorialize the soldiers who fought and died during the war. In 1924, the distribution of poppies became a national program of the American Legion. Led by the American Legion Auxiliary, 
Each year, members of the American Legion family distribute poppies with a request that the person receiving the flower make a donation to support the future of veterans, active duty military personnel, and their families with medical and financial needs. Poppy Day is celebrated in countries around the world. The American Legion brought National Poppy Day to the United States by asking Congress to designate the Friday before Memorial as National Poppy Day. On May 26, wear a red poppy to honor the fallen and support the living who have worn our nation's uniform. Poppy! Poppy day! Is Fun fact, I, I looked into, like, we have some planters in the front of our building. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we, like, grew red oh, poppies? No, no, no. Those are that the was, That's fun fact. That's something you were like, let me grow some opium. <laughs> well, that's because that's the that's the the genus or the whatever oh, that's the type man. of poppy that they use the seeds yeah. are used for they go all the ones that the ones that grow here don't do that the orange and the whatever oh. it's just the red ones from over there so you have to go through a whole thing you you have to grow them from you have to grow them from seed that's very hard to get and they have they can't be in the ground because they'll spread too quickly they have to be in a container oh. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of stuff you got to do. You know, let's just not do it, right? Mm -hmm. There is a type of poppy called the American, American Legion. Legion. Oh, we should get those. That was seamless. Let's do this. Did you know, stores? Jeff? Did you know that there's a type of poppy called the American Legion? No. <laughs> oh, now you do. Do they sell that at emblem sales? Can I buy that at convention? You next year. No, we haven't had. I want to get this year. I want to buy it this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna send them an email now. Okay, burpee. Oh, that triggered me. I don't want to do exercise. All right. Any final shout outs or or thoughts? Just a shout out to your parents for making such a handsome man. All right. Hi, mom. Okay. Um, I don't. What do I? And shout out to your barber, which I know is you. Mm. Or always keeping all your hairs on point, especially ones in front. They're like, they're on point. All right. Let's go. Let's go home. We, I have let's, to prepare for poppy day. So we got to go. Go do it. Go grow your poppies. Um, hey, everybody out there. Just don't forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume, eat, listen to, take in podcasts. If you could leave us a review and make sure that it's five stars. I would really appreciate it. The thing is, if you don't, I legally have to um, come up to you in a restaurant when you're sitting with your family at maybe some sort of important event, like maybe a birthday party, like a 50th birthday party or something like that. I will lock eyes with you and I will say loud enough so that all of your extended family can hear. I know what you did. I don't appreciate it. And I'm going to the authorities. So um, unless you want that, leave us five yeah. stars. Okay. And, and, and if you want to like suggest any guests or anything, go to legion.org forward slash tango alpha Lima, click on suggest a guest link. Super easy. We want to talk to those people. So Jeff, you can suggest a, you can suggest a guest or rat out somebody that didn't give us five stars and ask you. Oh yeah. Then. That'd be great too. Yep. Then I have to she, haunt them. She will do your bidding. <laughs> You're so sinister. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I don't want to get on the wrong side of you. All right. This is a this is a this is a grand week for you veterans out there. Please go enjoy um, Poppy Day and um, 
have a meaningful, I don't like to say happy, but have a meaningful Memorial Day. Um, honor those who have fallen before us in this time so that they may live forever. Find some names if you go to the if you go to the cemetery, find some names and say them because you know that old saying, you die twice, once uh, physically and once the last time your name is ever spoken. Make sure that more people live on in that realm uh, this coming weekend. All right, with that, I'm going to declare season four, episode one, six, zero, mission complete.